Thank you for this time. Thank you for the season. Lord, be with, uh, we're missing many this morning. Be with those that couldn't be here this morning as they prepare their hearts. Maybe they'll be in the, uh, in the hour where the pastor brings the message. And Lord, I just pray right now that you'd bless our pastor and the music that's going to be sung in the hour that's going on now. And then in our hour, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to hearts, Lord. This is your special season. I mean, it is all year round, but this is when we set aside a special time. Lord, I just pray as all of our hearts, Lord, reach out to those up in the Northeast this morning that uh, are just struggling as they're looking, I can imagine, upon empty beds, empty bedrooms, and tears are flowing, and Lord, questions of why, even for the believer, are there. But Lord, you're so good, and you're so gracious, and uh, I don't know the answer, and, and it's a struggle when a Christian gets asked, how could a God do something like this? And of course, we know that God, you, you aren't the one. It's the sin from humanity that caused this, and Lord, we just pray that you would rescue the heart's of those people. Lord, I pray that many would come to know you through that. And that's, you know, Lord, we, we just struggle with that. But we see after all these years, I listened last night, Amy and I, as the Columbine, uh, Rachel's dad spoke and 18 million people he spoke to since she passed in the way that she did. And so God, we know there's a greater purpose. We don't understand it. And we know you're not happy with what happened, Lord as your crown jewel, as I said in email yesterday, has once again fallen and done some just unbelievably cruel things. God, be with those people this morning. Be with me as I speak. Lord, may you be increased and I be decreased. May the cross be seen, Lord. May this baby that you called Jesus be seen this morning, Lord. May it be a special season for those who've never had a special season this morning, Lord. We pray that the podcast, as it's listened to by many people, down the time, Lord, if they're listening to this as, as I speak, Lord, I pray that it would bless them and you'd reach in their car or in their home where they're listening to it and you'd just bless them. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I would encourage you, if you ever wanted to invite somebody who's a neighbor, who is into sports, tonight's your night. Mark Rick will be speaking tonight. I, I realized that about halfway through the week. What a time to invite those that are lost and those that don't know Jesus. I've heard Mark speak, Coach Mark speak before. I've, I've met him uh, personally and spoke with him for 15 or 20 minutes um, uh, over in Birmingham one time at the Birmingham Touchdown Club. He is the real deal, and I can assure you that he, um, he will bring some form of a gospel message tonight, and whatever he says, and um, I, I hope that you will take the time. It's going to be an awesome concert. The people that we have coming in, I mean, just first class. You, you normally pay Forty, fifty, sixty dollars to go hear what you're going to hear tonight. Woodstock puts it on for free, so invite your neighbors. I invited a lot of people at my what I call my Friday morning Sunday school that I conduct at work, and I'm expecting to have some folks here. So I hope you guys will come back. Join me in Luke chapter two. We're going to start in verse eight, but before we do, here's the title of the lesson. Listen, why the shepherds? Why the shepherds? The title of the lesson today, and I'll be coming back to that several times. It's Christmas card time, isn't it? How many of you at home right now in your walk-in area or in your kitchen or somewhere where you post them have Christmas cards laying there from many, some people in here and many of the people at work and many of your neighbors? Anybody? Show of hands? Yeah. It's Christmas card time. I remember last year 
when our twins had just been born, we didn't send out, and I'll get to this part in a minute, we didn't send out formal uh, uh, birth uh, announcements, but we sent out a laborious, if you will, Christmas card. And let me tell you, ladies, what guys think of these Christmas cards. Let me just be real frank with you. Um, Guys don't care about Christmas cards, by and large. All right? When, When you ask them about putting together a picture for Christmas cards, they smile and say okay, unless they've been married a long time, and then they might just tell you what they think. But generally speaking, what goes off in their head, I'm just, I'm te- you know, this is equal opportunity offender here. I'm just telling you what they think of is $4 times. That's all they hear. So when you say, I want to send 100 Christmas cards, they say four times 100, $400. That's what they think. They don't, they don't care anything about the message on the card. They're like, we just send an email and say, Merry Christmas, and you can write your message on email. Because I remember when we did that and we did a laborious Christmas card and it's what I call, it's where, what I call face brag. I know y'all call it Facebook, but it's face brag to me and it's where face brag literally goes to Christmas cards. So you take the picture of your best vacation, of your best kids, and it's usually kids, sometimes it's the family or the dog or whatever, and you send it out and some of us even write letters like I did last year where you tell about the year that you've had and how God's blessed you and, and those kind of things. So I'm just, uh, I'm kind of setting this up and you'll see that. I, I would tell you that men, two, two things that men don't like when coming to invitations like this are birth announcements, well, let's say three, Christmas cards and wedding invitations. And not in that order, by the way. You know, let's, I guess we should back up and say wedding invitations, <laughs> Christmas cards, and birth announcements. That that's, probably sounds better. Well, I can tell you that the birth announcements are, are beautiful, obviously, when you get to send those. But again, the man, I'm just telling you, I may, maybe some of you men would disagree with me, but most men just say, you know, can't we just say it by word of mouth instead of paying four or $500? So, if you don't get a Christmas card from me this year, you'll know that I won and Amy lost for once. And uh, we just had too many people to send it out to. So I will try to get something out to our class, but it won't be a Christmas card in your mailbox. But we want your Christmas cards because what we do is my girls post those things up and we see how many we get. That tells you how popular you are, right? That goes along with our lesson today, too. Well, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, why the shepherds, um, in all seriousness, these are things we, we, we do that, uh, that, that, you know, we, we want to tell our loved ones and our friends about special times in, in our lives. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. I'm halfway joking, not about the money, but about the, the cards and stuff. And certainly we've sent those and, and I've been right there with Amy participating as I dress up for the for the picture and smile. Um, I want to read to you a very special birth announcement this morning. Will you join me in Luke chapter 2, verse number 8? Before I read that scripture, what are things you ladies do when you're doing those birth announcements? Or what, let, let's think about that. What, what are, what's the order in which you do things? <clears throat> you know, um, ladies, if, if you just did your Christmas cards... 
or you've done birth announcements, what, what, what goes through your mind in an organizational fashion? What are you going to do? Okay, well, yeah, you got to have a birth, yeah. You know that the birth's coming. How about this? Do you budget? No budget? So you don't say $500 is what we're going to spend. How many people can we get in there? Come on, ladies. Well, here's what I wrote down. Y'all may disagree. I wrote, you set a budget. The list is developed and talked about to who you're going to send it to. Outfits are picked out. If it's a birth announcement, if it's a wedding, obviously, that's a big part of it. So you pick out the outfit for the children or for yourself if it's a wedding announcement. Let's see here. Pictures are made, so you got to get the photographer if it's not you. Some of us have gotten good in this digital age. Pictures are made. I wrote, message is written and confirm with your spouse. We just do this as you're reading usually. We just say, yep, that's fine. And then lastly, the list is redone and corrected again. So the way I have it and the way I see it, at least the way it's worked in my, my household, is budget set, list is done, outfits bought, picked up, whatever, photographer secured, pictures taken, you get the finished product back, and usually your list changes at the end, at least in my life it has. Let's look at what God did on this special birth announcement and you guys may not have thought of it that way before. You may have never thought of this as a birth announcement. It's the most special of all birth announcements. Why the shepherds? Luke 2.8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you, and I underline that, all and to you, this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign. Remember, Jews look for a sign. Even in Bible prophecy, we always see the sign. This will be the sign to you. You will find a babe or a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go, let us now go. And I underline that to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Okay, but uh, let's see. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then in verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. This is what I call the greatest birth announcement of all kind and all time. And God did it in a very unique way. And, you know, 
I doubt, maybe you have, I doubt you've ever looked at it from your birth announcements, from your birthday announcements, from your Christmas card list and all that stuff. God took one shot at this and he picked the shepherds. Think about that. He picked the shepherd. Our birth announcements have pictures and words. God's birth announcement, listen, God's birth announcement had angels in verse number 9. The glory of the Lord in verse number 9. Try try putting that in your card. The glory of the Lord, which I assume is the brightness, the purity, the darkness was split by light in that nighttime event. And then, if that weren't good enough, he put the voices of the heavenly choir in his birth announcement. So the angel comes... And a little trivia question for you here. Every angel that I find in the Bible either has a male name or if you study it in the Greek text and such, you will find that it is male-driven. It's, a, it's, a male, it's referred to as a male. I don't find any female angels, so in my house we don't have female angels hanging off the tree. I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> but that is, a, that is true. Try to see if you can find a female angel in the Bible. I don't say that there's not female angels. Just That was just a sidekick for you guys who like to study little stuff like that. Um, what's that? Ah, you're all saints. Okay, all right. Um, so this is a, this is, you know, God's birth announcement. He does things big, doesn't he? I mean, let's, let's be honest. He created the heavens and the earth in six days. He spoke them into existence. He's giving a birth announcement. Now, y'all get the picture here. Jesus is in heaven. He's already the Son of God. You know, don't don't falter in believing that He became the Son of God when He came to earth. He was already there. You see, Jesus, according to John, is the Word, and He was the Word, And he will forever be the word. So Jesus was already in eternity past in our timeline. Okay, even though God doesn't have that timeline. He's already there. He is presently the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Messiah still. He is the Savior. He is the Rose of Sharon. He is, you know, all these things. And then in future, in our timeline, he's all those things too. So Jesus is sitting, Alan, in heaven, if you will. I say he's sitting, I don't really know. But let's just say he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. We know he stands and sits because he stood at Stephen's stoning, right? So, Jesus is in heaven. A Savior is needed. Of course he knew this before time began because he knows everything. Hard, Hard to understand that. He literally, guys, volunteers to come to earth. I mean, I want you to imagine that because I'm going to tell you, Everything I've ever read, the people that experienced heaven talked about it, right? Paul the third heaven, you know, Isaiah. Wonderful experience. Don't want to come back to this place for things that we saw this weekend. It's a bad place. It's a bad place. We make it that way. Jesus leaves heaven where he is everything. Right? Y'all, y'all do realize he is the scarlet thread that goes through the whole Bible, right? 
I mean, you can find him in the Old Testament in every book all the way to Revelations. He is the theme. So he steps out of heaven for you and for me because we need a Savior. And he comes in the form of a baby. He's impregnated by the Holy Spirit who is God. Don't ask me to understand that. Just accept it in childlike faith, right? We talked about that before. You see, when Blake jumped off the side of the pool for the first time, terrified of water, I said, I will catch you. But I had to tell him over and over because he was terrified. Now, my other kids weren't. He eventually just believed that daddy was going to catch him, right? So just believe in the Trinity because if you try to get your mind wrapped around the Trinity, you just won't ever get it fixed. It just will not make sense. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, Spirit all one yet operating in three, you know, it's, it's difficult. Jesus steps out and he, for you and for me, all the bad things we've done, he says, I will go and he becomes a baby through the virgin birth of the Holy Spirit. So God does things big. So we come to the main focus here of what I want to talk about today. And I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. <clears throat> if I was the guy Thank God I wasn't. If I was the guy that God said, look at all of humanity, you are in charge, Robert, of my birth announcement for my son. He's coming. You get it ready, and I want it to equate to the special moment of Jesus coming to the earth. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the angel that got to do that? Now, I never thought about that before. What a special privilege. We know they were fired up about it because as soon as he announces it, the heavens break forth in praise. The angels are going nuts, right? So I try to put my mind on it. Last night, let me, let me take a pause here. Last night, Blake and I snuck out of the house for about an hour and a half. And we went up to a, uh, a WMA hunting uh, place where you can use bow only. And I knew we wouldn't probably even see anything or whatever. I just needed to get out of the house. So we went up there, and at the first hill I got on, Rex, there was a creek overlying it. It was up in ball ground, and I went in, and I took a right because we were late to the woods, and there was no cars there, so I knew we were pretty much by ourselves, big 1,500 acres or so. I went in there, and I got up on a hill because we, we didn't have a stand, so I knew there wouldn't be a great chance. If there was going to be, we needed to be elevated, right? So went up, got settled, and, of course, Blake, first thing Blake does, Dad, where's your phone? I want to play a video game. You know, right? Yeah, outdoors guy. So we're sitting there, and it got dark, and the squirrels stopped moving. And you guys who hunt know what I'm talking about. And it got still, and it started getting cold down there on that creek. And Dad, you know, of course, after I told him to wear all the stuff that he was, he was supposed to wear, he, he didn't. And uh, he said, Dad, I'm cold. So I had to take him, and Rosemary will love this. And I had to hug him a little bit and get him warm. And it was just getting still. And I could hear the cars coming by. Sun was going down, it was getting darker, and your eyes started to adjust. And I was like, man, this is prime time, Blake. It's, it's time right now. And it get darker and darker, and all of a sudden I could hear them. Here they come. And I said, that's not a squirrel. I said, be ready. And they got closer and closer, and I could almost hear Blake's heart as I was holding him, you know. And, I mean, they were coming right to us. And, uh, of course, now it's gotten too dark. I can't see through my bow, for those of you who don't interested, but... Anyway, Blake said, Dad, I see him. 
and I couldn't see him because I'm 41 and I couldn't see him. And he, he, he said he saw him and he was pointing in the direction. So we were waiting and waiting and finally it got uncomfortable. They were getting that close, but I could not see him. I reached in my pocket and I pulled out my flashlight and I waited. And I mean, they were, they were from here, maybe, maybe twice as far as the wall. And I hit the flashlight and eyes everywhere, right? Blake's like, shoot him, Dad, shoot him. So I just started flinging arrows. No, I didn't really. Um, He didn't quite understand it. And I tell you, I was getting uncomfortable because, you know, it could have been coyotes, could have been a lot of things, right? So anyway, why do I say that? I want you to imagine last night as the sun was setting, it was dark and you saw everything getting dark. The shepherds. The shepherds were out in the field, and I want you to imagine the sky all of a sudden lighting up. I don't know exactly how it happened, but I know it scared them. And I want to visit that thought for a few minutes before we dismiss. I want to visit that, because you've got to understand, the birth announcement for the Savior of the world, the God-man, as they would call him later in the Bible, who would... Come on the scene. And so I'm given the task to write the birth announcement or to send the birth announcement to someone. Who am I going to send it to? Well, I started thinking about that and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to send it to the emperor, Caesar himself, because I want to stick it to him, you know, because we know what happens with all that. And I'm going to send it to royalty or I'm going to send it to... King Herod, he's in charge of the local area there. He's a nut anyway, so I'm going to send it to him. And I'm going to announce to him the king of kings is coming. That's not what God did. I'm going to send it to pastors. They called them priests. I'm going to send it to the high priest that one day actually would signify the one who gave the command, really, to crucify the Savior. Nope, God didn't do that. I'm going to send it to the religious elite. Those that really are in church all the time and reading the Word. God didn't do that. I would have missed Mark on everything I probably would have done. And yet, the reason I ask why the shepherds Because I think it's amazing what God did if you really start thinking about it. Let's talk about the shepherds for a second. God had, and I'll come back to that scene with Blake and I in the darkness for the shepherds. God had a special affinity for shepherds. Think about this. Who do you know that was a shepherd in the Bible? Who? David, the shepherd boy to become king. You got to like that one, right? I mean, it's, it sticks out. But what? there's five other ones that I came up with. Jacob. What about before Jacob? He certainly shepherded a bunch of people. Did you know as you start studying, Abraham was a shepherd? Jacob was indeed a shepherd. Isaac was a shepherd. You have to read. You have to go find it. But listen to this. Here's what I found interesting. Later on, 
God would be called the shepherd of Israel. God, by David, who was the shepherd and was the shepherd boy, listen, he said in a very famous psalm that you all know, Psalms 23, he said that the Lord is our shepherd. And then he went on to name, and we studied that in here. I've taught a series on that. Particularly, particular things that only David as a shepherd would have known. Luke 15 says, the sixth person, Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd. He has an affinity for shepherds. There's something special about shepherds. Now, let's just be real honest, though. If we, if I was sending the birth announcement, which I'm not, praise God. But if I was, and I sent them to all the wrong people, why God picked the shepherds? Well, you know, what was the deal with the shepherds? Well, I wrote a couple things down that some of you may know, some may not know. Did you know that shepherds were a social misfit in that day? I want you to think about this. You know the Jews, because we've studied them, and you studied your Bible and other walks of life. The Jews had feasts, and they had Passovers, and they had certain times in the temple, and you better not work on the Sabbath, and all those things, because they made you unceremonial clean. Yes. Think about the shepherds. Did you know that their jobs were 24 hours a day, seven days a week? They stunk. You're skipping ahead, Letitia. <laughs> the shepherds lived outside. I'm going to give you an idea what you might think of a shepherd, and it's a combination of a couple of different positions within our society. And it's only what you think. It's not really what is. We would say of the shepherd, he's a nomad. He travels from area to area like a carnival worker. Almost like we used to say, it doesn't get said much anymore, like gypsies. You better watch what your stuff around those shepherds. They travel from place to place and they'll take anything you leave around. I can hear that being said as I studied this lesson. Maybe the stench, as Letitia said, from lack of bathing and living with animals and doing some things that not a lot of us would like to do. They were rugged outdoorsmen. Some of us might say they stunk like a garbage worker, a sanitation worker. I'm going to stop that there because I know a special guy in here that owns, has an ownership in a garbage place. So I want you to understand that it's what we think of in society. We would say carnival-like, a nomad. Uh, an outdoors person around, you know, hot, sweaty, working, uh, stinking. So they were, I want you to really clue in on this. They were loners. They were guys that actually might not have minded being by themselves. You know, I can see it. They pack their own food. They do whatever they're doing. They go out, they watch the sheep, and they're fine with that. They might occasionally run into another shepherd and wave at Darren like, hey, man, what's going on? How's it going? How's life been? But not very much chitter-chatter with a shepherd. All business. Always watching the sheep. Always protecting the flock. But not very well respected in town. Not welcome in the temple. Why? They stunk. Why? They were ceremonial, unclean. They didn't come to Passover. They actually provided the stuff for the Passover. Y'all know that 750,000 lambs or sheep were slaughtered. Most Passovers in the towns 
the major towns of Jerusalem. Some of you who've been to Israel probably got that and, and heard that. Maybe there's another number, but that's what I read. And so they were protecting that, but it's interesting. They never would have gone into the church house. They wouldn't have been welcomed in the church house. They were thought of as lowlifes. Yet God, one announcement, the shepherds. <coughs> Today, it would be like you practicing, uh, Beth, you practicing your daughter singing her wonderful music. I hope some of you all got to heard Beth's da- uh, daughter sing last night, uh, last Sunday night, a wonderful song. But, and she sings this beautiful music, and she shows up expecting thousands to be there from all of her practice and her beautiful voice. And the only people that show up are yard guys, landscape crew. What a letdown. I mean, I'm just being honest. We'd be let down. Nothing against landscape crews. I'm just giving you kind of an idea. A group of carnival workers. I mean, you know, whatever. No elite in society. Why the shepherds? Why them? Because without the special birth announcement, the outcast, the lowlife, the social misfits, the loners would never have been introduced to the good news. You see, I wouldn't have had the wisdom. I would have sent it to Caesar, and Caesar would have kept it and twisted it for himself. I would have given it to President Obama so that I could have had the introduction to the president say, the Savior's coming. The political people would have misused it. The shepherd's reaction, I want you to follow this. Probably, we don't know this, but probably none of them were believers. But yet, they get the message and they go. They didn't sit there and ponder and say, how could we use this for our political gain? How can we become more powerful, Caesar might have thought. Or what about King Herod? How do we eliminate that baby? How do we eliminate that baby? Instead, the shepherds get the information and they now have the good news. The lowest form of that society. As far as we know, they were not outstanding believers. They not, I wrote these these bullet points. They most likely did not go to temple. Rarely, if ever, did they say a prayer. They would not have likely read Hebrew scripture. The churchgoers had probably shunned them forever from ever attending church. Yet all these and no condemnation came from the announcement for their lack of religion. Did y'all catch that? Did you notice the angel didn't come on the scene and say, Now guys, you got to get saved. Because if you're not saved, you don't get this information. No, they were coming to announce the Savior of the world to anyone, the whosoever will let him come. And when they came, they didn't preach, get in the temple, clean yourselves up to the shepherds. They didn't say that. They didn't say that. Let's go back as we conclude. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields 
keeping watch over the flock by night, 24 hours, seven days a week, I would say. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news, good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. You're going to see that message in just a second. To all people, to you and everyone above you. Then he says, For there is born to you. He personalized it. You see, when we're given the Christmas message, we ought to personalize it. Darren, if Darren was lost, God died for you. Jesus died for you. Not, not just for me. Not, not, not for the, the churchgoers down there at First Baptist Woodstock. He died for you so that you could have eternal life. You see, this message was a new message to the shepherds. They had not heard that message before. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. I want you all to see this. And suddenly the angels burst forth and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The angels knew that this was an incredible announcement. And the average Joe was getting the announcement. Verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. Watch what the shepherds do. And the shepherds said to one another, let us go. I wrote these things down so that we could see that the announcement came to the shepherds to show that God's mercy through Jesus would come to all men, to the lowest form of society, to the highest. If God came to royal lineage, as I said, it would have been twisted. Watch and notice how the shepherds respond in our conclusion. They listened. How do I know that? Because they put action to their words as soon as they were gone. They listened. Did you notice what they did? They left their flocks. Shepherd never leaves his flocks. He's always protecting. Always. See, if they would have left their flocks before, they could have come to the church house, right? They could have come to the feast, but they didn't. According to what I read, the shepherds stayed. But in this case, it was an important enough and a good enough and a great enough. And the Lord had shown himself and they knew something was different and they had better go. And they all talked to one another and they agreed to go. So to town they went. So they listened. They left their beloved flocks. Like some missionaries that we have here this morning. They left and they went. And they went with excitement. Verse 16 said they made haste. They left. They were excited what they had seen. Once they were calmed down, Tina, and they realized that they weren't in trouble by the angels. And we see that everywhere there's an angel, there's the old wet the pants syndrome, right? <laughs> and you would too, and I would too, I, su I suppose. And once they realized it was good news for them, they are, do you all understand? They're now inclusive. They're invited in. To be saved. They're invited to have the good news. They're now invited to share it. They're the only ones. That band of brothers out in the field. It's up to them. The angels have given it to them. And now what will they do with it? Fourthly. They were obedient to the angel's suggestion. To find and to look. For the baby. Next they took in the awesome privilege. To view the Savior. Can you imagine. Can you imagine 
Mark, walking to the side of what most people, theologians, believe was a cave. Some writings 100 years later by certain people that I studied this week said that they, they, they knew it was a cave. And I know we teach our children it's a manger scene. You, you do realize there can be a manger in a cave, right? All right? So there's an inn and there's probably an elevated cave where the animals are kept. And they make their way to the cave. They're not led by the North Star. They go to the cave. They know where visitors would have been in town. And there among the, uh, the, the, uh, there among the animals lays the most humble of scenes, the precious baby, Jesus, the Savior of the world, whose blood would be spilled in later years, some 30-some-odd years later, for all of our sins. The shepherds, the lowest of society, their eyes get to see the Savior in the most purest of all scenes that I can even think of. They took the awesome privilege to view the Savior. Now, I want you to listen as we close this. They went away changed. They're changed. How do I know that? Well, I'm digging into the scripture here, but when they went, they were there that night, and that light came around about them. Phil, they weren't big talkers. They liked being alone. They were rugged outdoorsmen. Now, you probably wouldn't want to tangle with one of them, I would imagine. But they didn't say a lot. They, they knew they weren't liked in town. And you know what? Probably most rugged outdoorsmen that I know, they didn't care. They probably were just as fine with standing on the outside and not being bothered with noise. Right? No noise. Not conversationalists. Not businessmen, Robert. Watch what happens when they leave the scene. Watch what happens. Look very carefully. Verse 16. And they came with haste and round, found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. So they're viewing what's happening. Now when they had seen, there's that key word, seen him. And met, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Watch. Birth announcement happens. It comes to a band of brothers in the outdoors. The lowest misfits of all society. And now, it's up to them to tell everyone. God, I don't read where God sent another band of angels to thousands of people. Here we have the first evangelist. The birth announcement's been given in its fullness. They leave the scene, and it didn't say they made known. They made what? Widely known. I tell you that they met Jesus the same way the woman at the well met Jesus. She came in shame, Robert. Samaritans don't talk to Jews. Jews don't talk to Samaritans. Men don't talk to women. Women don't talk to men. At noon that day, that lady talked to Jesus, and she even said, you're not supposed to be talking to me. He later on, and I paraphrase, says, I'm going to give you living water. And she walks away changed. You know how I know? She went back to town and told everybody she'd been sleeping with and everybody she'd been associated with and they didn't want to hear from her. And she had a glow about her and she said, Jesus, this man told me everything that has happened in my life. He is the Messiah. Zacharias, right? Zacchaeus, excuse me, come down. Come down, tax collector. I'm coming to your house. They go into the house. Zacchaeus comes out. His family's never the same. 
He gives back his money. His household is saved. He's changed forever. The, I mean, we could just, you know, just knock them down as they come. When you meet Jesus, you are changed. And when the shepherds came and they saw what they had, they left changed and they no longer were social misfits. They were conversationalists. They had one thing to say, and that was, you need to go see this. The Savior's been born. Let me tell you what just happened to me. The angels filled up the skies. And can you see them telling each other? And they're going through town. And watch what happens. And this is it right here. This is the conclusion. And they said right here, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled. And before, all those that met the shepherd turned their nose and walked the other way. Here comes that stinky, misfit, no communication shepherd. Yeah, he's a shepherd. But now... The crowds are gathering around them and they're telling their story. And the shepherds told it in such a way that they were probably glowing like you were when you were saved and excited. Back long ago, remember? And the shepherds were telling it and the people were astonished. And the good news is now being told. From person to person. What did that what happened to them? They became conduits for the Christmas message. You know what a conduit is? It's not a bird. That's a condor, isn't it? <laughs> a conduit is a means by which something is transferred. And the shepherds were humble people, yet God in the form of his son came to earth to humble himself so everyone could identify with God through Jesus. Here's the question you leave with today. Are you, are you, are you a conduit for the Christmas message? Are you going to tell someone what Jesus did for you? You've gotten a slice of that birth announcement. Will you share it? I don't share my pecan pie in the wintertime. But I should share the Christmas message. Jesus is imploring that you share and I share the Christmas message. God, thank you for this time of fellowship, the sweet time of these sweet people coming to listen to me spit and talk and yell. God, I'm excited to know that you came. You didn't have to come, but God, you came in the form of Jesus. And in my mind's eye, and I don't know if my picture's right, from the scripture that I read, I can see the shepherds smiling, changing, laughing, telling the story for years to come to their grandchildren, perhaps to the people of the town, and then the story of the good news becomes what it is today. God, help us share the good news to people that need to hear it. Why the shepherds? God, I think you made a great choice. If not for that, we would not know whosoever will includes us. You included the lowest form, at least by thought, of that day. And I thank you for that because that means anyone and everyone, the good news of the gospel is for us all. Lord, bless this group as they go to pick up their children today. Help us to love our children a little more today based on what's happened this weekend. Lord, bless our pastor as he brings the powerful word today. And bless us tonight as Coach Rick brings the message. 
and the music sung. Help us to bring any visitors we can, and maybe someone can come and hear the good news for the first time. In Jesus' name, amen.